Welcome to another edition of the Customer Secrets Podcast. On this show, we're learning about personality and how to interact with people, particularly in sales. Now, on this episode, we're going to interview another guest. And what I want you to do as you're listening is to try to pick up his personality temperament. And then after the interview, I'll come back and I'll give you my synopsis of what I saw or what I heard that gave off clues to what his personality type is. So it's kind of a two-pronged episode as before where we're listening to other entrepreneurs talk and listening to their advice and we're also learning about personality at the same time. So let's listen to our guest today who is Matt DeCourcy. Okay, today we have with us Matt DeCourcy. Now, Matt is the podcast host of, you might have heard of this one. It's a pretty popular one. It's called Startup Hustle. Uh, he's got over 400 podcast episodes under his belt so far. And starting next month, he says he's going to be going to a daily format. Uh, Matt is also the CEO of a company called FullScale, which uh, is into tech services, and we'll talk about what that means here in a minute. So on behalf of our uh, podcast listeners, Matt, we welcome you, and thank you for sharing your your time and your insights with us today. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So, so Matt, tell us a little bit about uh, what you do at Startup Hustle and what you do at FullScale. Sure. So Startup Hustle, as we like to say, is an, as a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. I started it with my current business partner uh, and at the end of 2017, largely because we had a strong desire to complain about entrepreneurship. Um, meaning the ups and the downs. And we really wanted to tell the real story of what startups and entrepreneurship were like. So we, we got right after it. And as you mentioned, uh, we're, co we're coming up on our 400th episode. Uh, we've recently expanded our programming lineup as well and really excited to continue to get the word out in that regard. So uh, we, we've been very fortunate to have a, a following of people that have listened to us in 190 countries and uh, and find ourselves as high as number 16 on the entrepreneurship charts on Apple. So very humbled and, and thankful that people keep listening. Wow. Um, as far as, uh, did you also ask about full scale or yeah, did you want me so, to? So okay. we'll, we'll go back sure. and forth. So um, sure. what do you mean by tech services for, for what you do there? So it, in, one of the things that you didn't mention yet is, is I've written three books and one of them is titled Million Dollar Bedroom, which is the story of how I used an extra bedroom in my home in 2009 to build a business. So it, actually, I used the extra bedroom in my home and a credit card with an $8,000 limit, managed to turn that into businesses that have generated uh, at this point about $45 million in revenue. And uh, one of the things I did from there was I hired employees in the Philippines in 2009 
Um, I always use them for my own internal uh, entrepreneurship and projects. But in 2018, my current business partner and podcast host, Matt Watson, and I uh, opened Full Scale. And we opened it because there's a huge shortage of IT professionals in the US. There's about, uh, around, even, even in the midst of a pandemic, there are still about 400,000 open programming and tech-related jobs here in the US. And if you're an entrepreneur and a startup founder, that's very frustrating. And uh, based on our experience, we felt that a lot of the things related to quote tech services or building a team of experts needed to change. So we went about doing that. So what FullScale does is we help uh, we help software companies build teams of senior and high talent individuals who work in our office in the Philippines. So we, we like to say that what we do is rare. So we specialize in recruiting, assessing, retaining, and employing. Now, once people are once people uh, build a team at full scale, that team works only for them, and they actually manage the team. So it's like them having their own uh, their own employees, but we deal with that on their behalf. Wow. Yeah, I'm in a similar situation myself <laughs> where, uh, you know, we're employing some, some programmers outside the USA for, because we had the need. Um, so I, I, I feel your pain because <laughs> um, I've been. Yeah, there. and, that, and that, that, pro that process is, is very painful because a lot of folks, and I don't, I don't know if you're f fully immersed in the software business, but a lot of people aren't. So uh, between my business partner and I, we had both had a decade of experience of recruiting, assessing, and hiring top talent. So if you haven't done that in the past and you don't know what to look for, especially in an early stage business, it can be, it can be a terrible error if you hire the wrong people. So right. we're really trying to help, help, help people avoid that. And then in some cases for our bigger clients, they have a difficult time. If all of a sudden you need to scale up and find 15 people, I mean, it's hard to find three. So if you need to find a large group, and now I'm in Kansas City, and uh, we have a negative unemployment rate for tech here, and almost every major market does. So, and I know we're talking about customer secrets and stuff like that, but that, I mean, it's really no secret that all of our customers and most businesses in the U.S. are, are struggling to recruit and retain and in many levels figure out who to hire when it comes to their own tech needs. Right. Uh, you said you, you wrote three books. So, and you said you already said million dollar bedroom. What were the other two? Correct. So uh, my first book came out in 20, early 2017. It was titled Balance Me, A Realist's Guide to a Successful Life. And that's something that uh, I had been working on in my head for about a decade. And uh, it, it takes you through what, what a lot of people talk about work-life balance. Uh, I don't think that it's that simple. I think you have your personal, professional, and your physical life. They're all intertwined. And uh, the way that you manage the effort that you put into all three of those categories has a big, uh, has a very big determination on many of the outcomes. Uh, so yeah, we can talk about that in detail in, in a little bit if you like. The second book, which I published four months after Balance Me came out, uh, was titled Million Dollar Bedroom. And that was, that's just my initial entrepreneur uh, story and journey. It's, uh, it, the book is written in a very conversational tone. 
but I take you through the whole process uh, in a storytelling kind of way of how we set up the business in the extra bedroom, how it grew, all the mistakes that we made and a lot of stuff like that. So it's really in many ways a beginner's guide to starting your own business. And it's still very palatable for people that have a lot of experience because I'm not shy about the failure. And I joke about it a lot. So I've talked to some people that have a lot of experience and they read it and they're like, oh, I read it and I was laughing because I made all the same errors. Uh, my la- my most recent book I, is is titled uh, "The Realist Guide to a Successful Music Career." Uh, prior to being an entrepreneur, I worked in and around the music industry for about 15 years in a bunch of different capacities. Uh, worked in the musical instrument side of things. I've been the district manager for Roland in the past. It's the world's largest maker of electronic musical instruments. And the bedroom that the business I started in the million dollar bedroom was related to event ticketing. So um, all of that said, uh, uh, I've met some interesting people. So I co-wrote that book with, a guy, with a, a guy named Joel Cummins, who's the keyboardist in a band named Umphreys McGee. We were able to get all, ki- uh, all kinds of interesting people to contribute to it. A member of Dave Matthews' band wrote our foreword. Uh, Huey Lewis was in it. We had uh, Taylor Hicks, who won American Idol, I think season five, uh, several Grammy Award winners, promoters, musicians. So that was, uh, that was fun. But we wrote the book in a, in a way that was intended to be structured towards, it's like, hey, look, a band is a startup too. So, um, and then Joel has 20 years of touring experience. Uh, his band is, is, while many have not heard of them, they're, they're really big. Uh, they play, well, they were playing about 100 shows a year and most notably in last year had sold out Red Rocks and Denver uh, three nights in a row, which is a, which is a, is a big deal. So, right. uh, yeah, so had a lot of fun and I've known those guys for over a decade. So yeah, we had, that, that was a pet project and that's, uh, that's been a, a fun book to, to have out there and promote. Okay. Before we get back to Balance Me, because I'm, I'm kind of interested in that one. Tell me a little bit more about Joel, the, your, your partner in authoring your book, because I'm interested in knowing, you know, how his personality is different from your personality. So, well, in the context of writing the book or in the context of just in general? In, in general, you know, how, what are his, you know, in, in Balance Me, you talk about your a guide to successful uh, life. Yep. Uh, what would you say that he, Joel, would say that is his guide to successful life? Is it same uh, or consist- different from yours? It's different. So it, a lot of people that are if, to be successful in the music industry, you have to have you you rely on a routine and levels of consistency that are often shattered when you come on and off the road. And, you know, th- if you think about it, so let you go from you go from maybe being at home for a month and not almost feeling like on some days like you don't have a quote job to now all of a sudden you're in this hustle mentality, this, this set up, tear down, set up, tear down, get on the bus, get out, move and stuff like that. Um, my personality style is highly driven. Joel's a little more on the influential, like uh, he's very, he can be very social, but he's also very steadfast. So he, he has a, a very innate ability to straddle that type A and type B personality, which makes him remarkably likable. 
to a wide group of people. Now, you know, in a personality cell, the further you get towards one extreme on that, I mean, just when we keep it simple, if you're a high type A and you're or compared to a high type B, either those people love each other because one listens and one talks or uh, they hate each other because they get frustrated. So, you know, Joel, like I said, he's in, he's in a very, very nice balance between the two. And um, yeah, and at the same time, like, I mean, you have to have a lot of drive to be able to go out and do what they've done. And, and also when you're in that kind of public spotlight, you have to be, you have to adopt and embrace a type B mentality because there's a lot of people that want to talk to you and you have to have that patience. And, and, you know, that's difficult because if you're stressed or tired or, in a hurry, you know, you can have someone that was a fan for 10 years. And if you don't, if you, if your three minute interaction with them is crap, then th that's what they're going to live the next 10 years with. So he's really a master at all of that. And, and someone I admire in that regard. Wow. And, and you say you're different from that, you know, so kind of, this is where we get into your book, you know, your success secrets in life. So how does your personality navigate through life? So when, when it comes to the personality stuff, and there's, you know, there's so many things that assess and measure and weigh in on what you're at. And for me, I find the easiest one to be the disc inventory, drive, influence, steadfast and conscientious. And I, I don't, I, I'm not smart enough to remember whatever the one that is the IJMTL4397. <laughs> you know, I, I just don't, I don't get that. Um, you know, the, the disc inventory is pretty easy to remember because it, it does separate the type A and type B's into a couple different because all ty type A personalities aren't really that simple. So um, I'm, a, I'm a highly driven, like if I take a disc inventory, I get like a 99 on drive, right. um, which is extreme. And the thing is, is that people confuse that with is so I have the ability to be very outward and social but I have really inherently no true desire to be in those situations. And there's a big difference. So I can, I can go to a, a networking event or any of that stuff and I can do very well, but deep down inside, it's not like, oh man, I really want to, I really, it's more out of need. Um, when you talk about how that how that's a driver in life. And, you know, with personalities, you, you also have a, a natural and an adapted style. So there's the way you are when you're not in a professional setting or around people. And then there's another way. Um, I'm a little rare in that regard, because I'm, I'm almost the same in both. Because uh, a lot of people do change, they, they have, they make, that's why they will call it natural or adapted. So I'm highly driven in both places. Um, you, if you spend enough time with me, you'll hear me talk about how your strength and your weakness hold hands and walk down the street together. Uh, so that's very, I mean, I, admittedly, very much the case for myself. Um, whenever, you know, so that high drive, uh, it comes with some downsides, which I've had to try to be better at. Um, because sometimes the impression I can give people is that I'm a little too direct, or I can be abrasive. I'm just efficient is the way I see it. But, um, you know, as I'm 45 years old now, and I've, I've spent some considerable time trying to become a little more self aware of that. So, uh, you know, for me personally, it's sometimes it's just, a rem, uh, you know, I hate that I have to remind myself to be a better listener in situations, but I do. Okay. 
Um, <laughs> your, your, your personality type is very similar to my own. Um, cause you know, that's how I would describe it. Congrats, myself. congratulations. And I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Every, every, <laughs> there's no one best personality type. It's, you know, no. it's, it's what, it's what you're created at and, um, you know, it's how you adapt to it. Um, and how you navigate the world and, and how you try to adapt the world to your personality type. Uh, you, in, the, in our pre-talk before we, we went on the air here, you mentioned that you had like about 32 pages in your book about personality. So what secrets can you reveal to me from that work? Oh man, how much time do you have? So, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason I wrote about that and balance me is so y your personality style is projected out to people based on what you how you see yourself. And one of the things that causes the uh, all right, so in life, if you have stressors, or you have different things that put pressure, stress or create anxiety for you, those are pushing the bad personality qualities out of you in an increasingly, you know, in an increase quickly. So when you're in a bad mood, the worst parts of your personality style come out. Now that said, we as people have relationships with partners with those we interact with, with our coworkers, with our boss, with our clients. And the thing is, is, and you mentioned something about making the world adapt to your personality style. I actually take a slightly different approach and I'm trying to, so the thing is, is if you can smooth out, if you can avoid major conflict or, uh, or figure out a way to have your message be received by whoever you're speaking to more effectively, you will have less stress, you will have less anxiety, and you will actually have a faster path towards getting what you want and towards helping other people get what they want. So an example is, is like no one, no one has an argument at work 10 minutes before the shift ends and then goes home and doesn't have that on their mind. So if you can start to avoid these things by understanding your personality, understanding others' personalities, you can really begin to be a lot more effective in life. You can remove anxiety. You can get yourself faster to goals. You can get other people to, you know, like there's just a whole science to it. And I, I'll give you an example. So my wife is very much a, a, a type S and C or a type B personality. Um, the way that I deliver a message or a point to her needs to be different than the way that I might deliver it to you. If you and I have the same personality style, you just want me to, oh, hey, just get to the bottom line. Tell me what's up. Uh, her personality style wants to talk about the details, wants to talk about the process, wants to talk about the steps that arrive at the solution or potential solution. You and I would be like, hey, man, there's a problem. Uh, I'm not going to bore you with the details, but we got to do these two or three things and maybe now. Um, if you say that to uh, the opposite personality style, they theoretically uh, see you as not having a plan as jumping to conclusions and stuff like that. So the problem is, is that can create a little bit of self-doubt and friction. And in some ways, if they don't know you well, they'll see you as flighty, potentially untrustable. There's a lot of different things, but those are everything I just mentioned aren't 
usually the way you describe successful communication or conflict resolution. So, you know, these are all important and it's, uh, and I, I had to teach myself this because of the extreme nature of my own personality. So I had to, I had to figure out how to communicate better with type B personalities or those that were, and, and those type B personalities are all oftentimes in positions that require high levels of analysis or critical thinking. So they, they need and want the details. So, and then in some cases, like I said, if by the time you got through all those details, you may have put a type A listener to sleep. So it's just about understanding and bridging that gap. And I have yet to find a situation where uh, being highly aware of your own personality style and how it interacts with others, how I've yet to find a situation where that isn't useful. Okay, cool. So when you're interacting with somebody, are you trying to type them right at the beginning or, or does it just come later on? Well, I don't want to say that that's the first thing that I'm not like looking at someone going, what personality are you? What personality? I have conditioned myself to uh, pick up on certain points and types of demeanor. Um, I can usually watch someone for a couple minutes, especially if they're already interacting with others and have a pretty good idea of what their personality type is. Now, one thing that, an, uh, that a podcast isn't going to show you is I'm six foot four and 250 pounds. So, and I have a big, loud, deep voice. So that's another thing too, is like, I, I mean, honestly, I try not to unintentionally uh, feel imposing or, you know, intimidating. And that's something that like, that is, that does matter. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do, I, I don't want to say that it's, uh, I, I guess, in an understated way, yeah, I am thinking about that. Uh, it's mainly just because I would prefer that my, my communication arrive to you in a way that you understand it best, and the way that you appreciate it best. So do you, do you have a, a system for accomplishing this goal? I, man, and you know, it's, that's an interesting question because I, I guess theoretically I do, but I, I don't ever really think about it as a system. Um, I was in my, my late 20s when I first started paying attention to this stuff. And, um, you know, so some of the things that, uh, that you know, when I mentioned you can, you can kind of pick up on, some on demeanor and body language, you know, you can tell when people are a little introverted, especially in the beginning of conversation. Um, and that just, it, it, I don't know if it's necessarily a system, but it might be an approach to how I'm going to deliver info. Okay. Um, I kind of sense that you're, you lean towards being an introvert yourself. Is, is that the case? <laughs> um, I actually refer to myself as the most introverted extrovert that people will meet. Now I'm, uh, no, I, but I'm not, I have, I have some introversion that I prefer. Now here, the, uh, uh, the psychology behind someone with like a 99 out of a hundred on the graph drive is not that we're introverted. It's actually that we're so driven and obsessed with whatever we're doing that we would just prefer to be left alone to do it. Um, and so, uh, now that said, um, I have uh, no fear of public speaking, none. Um, like, uh, actually, the bigger the group, the more exhilarating that is for me. So, 
Um, so no and in, no inherent introversion there. The introverted qualities, like I said, they're real. And, and it, I will agree with that, that psych assessment because when I get something on my mind, like I have to, I often ask myself, I'm like, are you obsessed or are you driven? Uh, and I don't, I don't know if there's a huge difference between the two on many days. So yeah, that's, that's where the introversion comes along. And another thing too is that personality type. If you find someone with my personality style, they're almost guaranteed to be ADHD. So sometimes the, it's forced introversion because if I get knocked off course, it can be difficult for me to get back on. A couple of questions there. Um, when you say you get knocked off course, can you kind of give us an example of that? Okay, so... Um, uh, for for now, a lot of people talk about ADHD as if it's uh, a, 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 down, a downer. Um, I, I wouldn't give it back for the world. It's, it, it has provided me with a motor um, and ability to do a whole lot of different things simultaneously. However, when I get focused on one of them, I can perform at a high level for however, lo for however long I can stay focused. So an example is, is um, so right now I'm recording that I have a quiet room in my house and that's where I'm at. Now I have another office in my house that my children have access to. So if they come running in the room and I'm in the middle of, of writing something that can distract me and Oh wow! It's uh, it's 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 a crapshoot as to which portal of of uh, functionality I will re-enter through. So I can't. So um, it's it's a like I said, it's a blessing and a curse. I can get a lot of things done, and then sometimes nothing at all. Okay. Um, so when your kids interrupt you, and you know you're you're horsing around with them. Do you, do you find yourself afterwards just needing a little bit of time to decompress by yourself? No, not exactly. I just like when I mentioned, I don't know where I'm going to reenter. I might not, uh, whatever, whatever, uh, some of this is intentional. So I, I've, I've worked either at home or for myself for almost 20 years now. So I have to, you have to be a self-starter and you have to get things done. And I have a lot of things on my to-do list. So I might get distracted from one and then get back to doing something else. So, you know, I mean, I've got instances where, well, I had an email that I sent that should have taken me about 15 minutes to type. I started it. I got three other things done along the way and then came back and finished it. And that was about a four, about four hours later. So, so yeah, it's, it's now, it, now I, I, I definitely have the ability to, if I hadn't, if I need to get something done, then I do. And I ha I've had to really work hard on over the years of developing a strong sense of priority too. Okay. And when you do take time to decompress, is it usually like through, through your music? Uh, sometimes it's fun. I don't know how I define decompress because if the people that are around me, uh, seem to think that I never stop uh, working. Um, I don't look at what I do as a job. So in my late 20s, my first wife, I've had two wives named Jill, which is a fun fact about me. Um, the, the, first, the first Jill had thought I was working too much and wanted me to get a hobby. So I tried a bunch of different stuff and I, I really figured out that I like making money. So I decided that making money was gonna be my hobby. And I legitimately believe that I have not worked a day since. Um, so, so with that, um, and that belief, uh, I, I, I'm, 
and probably because I am obsessed, I do spend a lot of work. Now for the decompression stuff, um, yeah, music is a good one, but I listen to music the whole day when I work. So, um, and that's actually part of what can help me stay focused because uh, I like jam bands. I like, the, I like bands that play 20 minute songs and don't sing and stuff like that because it, it, it can help, it actually helps me hold my focus. Um, from a decompression side, uh, music helps. Um, I like just doing stuff. I like staying busy. So like, I mean, even like something as simple as like mowing the lawn. Um, I stained my, restained my deck this summer and found that to be remarkably decompressive. Um, because it was just that, that up, down, side to side that, you know, and if it, and listening to music and I actually had some, some great ideas come forth because of that. So yeah, that was, I'm going to actually go ask several people I work with if they ever see me decompressing. Cause I'm thinking about that now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what are the kinds of things that uh, kind of get under your skin and make you a little bit stressed, maybe a little bit angry? Um, so I mean, there, I, I do, I can definitely become frustrated with different things. I think some of the things that annoy me in a, in a professional setting are continued, uh, continued avoidable errors. Um, I don't like things that suck time and efficiency out of a process. Like for example, one person like doing something that distracts five other people that don't want that distraction. Um, you know, sometimes, uh, I mean, some of the other stuff, like on a personal level, um, you know, like, I mean, that's, that's a good question. I mean, uh, it, you know, one of the things, and, and I've, I've talked about this in, in my books as well, is like when I was younger, the, the, the ADHD can be a little hard to throttle. So you can have kind of an impulsive, angry reaction to some things that can be hard to chill out. Um, so always trying to be aware that that's not getting to me because the frustrated, angry mindset is not usually associated with accomplishment unless that's what lights the fuse to help you get something done. So, um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff, but overall, I really, I, I try to, to not let that stuff get in my path and to shed negativity in my life uh, whenever I can. I've, I, I'm proud that I, that at least I believe that I do an excellent job of flushing negativity. And that includes interaction and being surrounded by negative people and negative circumstances. One of the things that has helped with that is I have almost no interest in politics. Um, and it's not because I don't think it's important. It's because it, no matter who, what, where, or when, it's just inherently at least half negative. So, you know, it's like, I just don't, I don't feel I have a whole lot of influence on the situation. I have one vote just like you and, uh, you know, getting now, you know, so I, I kind of remove myself from that and I try to not get sucked into the regular news cycle because, modern news is all grim and terrible. And that kind of stuff is not, I don't know. I just want to feed myself with positive uh, positivity, productivity, and be around people that have a similar mindset. Okay. Um, to kind of finish off here, you know, what uh, secret tactics do you have for attracting new customers? 
So I, I, I tell people that I'm in the business of being Matt DeCourcy. And uh, I do believe that. So, I mean, my tactics aren't necessarily secret. I mean, they're pretty wide open. Um, publishing a podcast the way that we do, writing books. Um, I, uh, I very much make myself available to most people. Um, I try to do the best. I, I think it, one thing, and this shouldn't be a secret, but should be a fact is you need to make deposits with people before you're attempting to make withdrawals. And I think that's a huge mistake that people make. So when it comes to clients and we, we really, really do wrap our arms around this at full scale. So let's say that you have inquired about our services. Um, I start by asking, okay, what's the biggest problem in your business that you'd like to solve? And you know, trying to find ways to help and improve a situation. Also very open about the fact that we are in the business of giving good advice. And if that, if that advice benefits my company, okay. If it doesn't, okay. And that transparent approach, because what we sell is, is somewhat consultative. I, I, it is relationship oriented. And if I don't build that relationship and that trust early, then it's, it, it just, well, A, it makes life and business more difficult down the road. And also, if I can't offer value and benefit uh, to a potential client, they're not going to stick around. So that might not be the right client. That's something that as I've gotten older and gained more experience, I have a true appreciation for, which is finding the right people to do business with, not just people to do business with. And, you know, I'm not Coca-Cola or Pepsi. Like Coca-Cola will do, wants to anyone to be a user. And that makes sense for them. But at full scale, I, you know, we have to have, we need a specific type of client because we have to try to find a triple win. We have to find a win for our client. We have to find a win for our employees that work for that client. And it has to be a win for our company. If that triple win doesn't exist um, or where it hasn't existed in the past, that's where we have former clients or think are places that we haven't won. So we're in the business of winning and achievement and stuff like that. And if, so if that, it, but if that's not possible from, from the jump, then it, you're, you're probably chasing the wrong, the wrong stuff. Sounds good. Well, Matt, thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to talk with us. And on behalf of our listeners, sure. thanks. Um, you know, I, I wish you the best. Thank you, sir. Okay. Take care. Okay, so we're back after interviewing Matt. And my take on Matt is he is an ISTJ. Now the I stands for introvert, the S is for sensing, the T is for thinking, and the J is for judging. Now the first thing that I look for is temperament. The temperament is gonna be a two-letter combination. And in his case, it's the SJ. This defines the person with the logistical personality type. Now, this is the type that I am myself. And not only am I a logistical, I am also an ISTJ. So me and Matt have a lot in common. So it's almost like I was interviewing myself as I was talking to him. So first, what is the clues of the SJ, of the temperament? 
And for that, we want to know what his values are. What are those things that he thinks are important and bring success to life? The first one that picked up right away was that he talks about gratitude for having so many listeners, and he's so honored and humbled by having so many listeners in 190 countries um, and he can't believe that it's gone on so long. Now, this is a classic value of the logistical, which in, in, in my book, Selling by Personality Type, I call it gratitude and recognition. They really value how they got to where they are and, and the people along the way. Another clue that I picked up was that he has a very strong sense of priorities, you know, and in the book, again, I call this the value of hierarchy, that some things are more important than others. And so based on these types of value clues, that's where we get the S and the J from. When they're combined, they create this unique individual with unique values. And so that's what I'm looking for. I'm trying to pick up those values so that I can turn that around and, and find out the first two letters of their Myers-Briggs code. And so now we know he is the S and the J. Matt described his personality really well in this podcast. And I hoped you picked up that what he was talking about, you know, what his values are, are the values of a person with the SJ temperament, which I call the logistical. Now, I agreed with him for most everything he said, except for two things. One was when he was describing the D personality and how introversion fits into that. Now the D is from the DISC personality system. D stands for driver. And in the DISC system, they try to use to describe personality on a two by two matrix. So uh, on the X axis of the matrix, you might have thinking versus feeling, which is uh, one of the distinctions in Myers-Briggs as well is you have this dichotomy, thinking and feeling. But then on the y-axis, they have to pick just one of the three other personality trait elements. And in DISC, they choose introversion versus extroversion. Or what they might do is call it fast pace versus slow pace. But basically, it's the same thing. Introverts are the slower paced, and the extroverts are a faster pace. And this is the problem that I have with the disc personalities, because when you really get into the D personality, you could be either an introvert or an extrovert. But when you choose your scale as introvert or extrovert, if you're an introvert, you can no longer be the D personality because they're supposed to be extroverted and he's an introvert. So there's this confusion there and there's this contortion of trying to fit an introvert into the D personality type. And the, the words he used, uh, you, could, you could hear the contortion of trying to fit it into the D personality type from DISC. And he says, it's not that we're introverted, it's actually that we're so driven and obsessed with whatever we're doing that we just prefer to be left alone to do it. Because, you know, in the DISC system, you're supposed to be an extrovert, but he's an introvert. 
So this is why I try not to use the disk system, although I, I understand where they're trying to get at. They're trying to make a simple system. But personality is a little bit more complex than that. And, and in Myers-Briggs, they use four elements of, of a person's decision-making to describe their personality type. And, and you know, the four elements are introvert versus extrovert, sensing versus intuition, thinking versus feeling, and then the final one is perceiving versus judging. And then the final thing that I disagree with, and I want to point this out because, you know, I'm pointing to Matt and saying he described his personality really well. Uh, but there's one thing that he also said that doesn't describe the person that has the SJ personality type. Uh, and that's this ADHD. Logisticals are not ADHD type people. And if you listen to Matt, he describes what he really is. He's the kind of person that can do three or four things at one time. He thinks it's ADHD, but when in actuality, it's having three or four different goals and being able to attack them all at the same time. It's kind of like a farmer being able to grow several different crops in the same season. You know, it's not that he's disjointed about it, he knows what he's got to do and he's able to get it done. So now the ADHD is more descriptive of the person with the warrior temperament. So when you hear somebody to say, hey, I got ADHD, the first thing that I listen or that I think about is this person is probably a warrior. So I just wanted to make that distinction that, you know, I disagree that he has ADHD. Um, I just think he is so focused on his goals that he's able to accomplish multiple goals at the same time. And I do this myself in, in, in my own business. I'm working on several projects at one time. And I, I get upset that I can't do all of them at the same time. And I have to stop and start, stop and start a little bit on each one to try to move them along the process. But I'm still getting them done. You know, what I'm known for in my rocketry business is I get things done. We accomplish far more than other competitors do using the same amount of time and resources. And it's just because of a focus. You know, and this is what logisticals have that's really abundant, you know, and it's in its goals and accomplishing goals. So now the next thing I'm looking for is thinking or feeling. Now, Matt did not give off the strong essence of the feeling person. Now, the feeling person is very much interested in how their decisions are going to affect those people around them. Now, I didn't pick up that. And so that's kind of by default, I switch him back to, into the thinking category. For example, one of the things he said is that your personality style is projected outwards onto others based on how you see yourself. Now, this is a very thought process. It's not a feelings process. Um, so that's kind of one of the phrases that kind of struck me as, as when he said it. Um, so now we got the T. Um, so now the last letter in his Myers-Briggs is either going to be an introvert or extrovert. And in the conversation, I really asked him about him. 
You know, I had this sense that he was more introverted than extroverted. One of the things that I've been noticing a lot about extroverts, particularly on podcasts or on interview type shows, is that an extrovert, when they have a thought, they have to express it right away. And so they'll interrupt somebody else that they're talking to in order to get that thought out there into the world. Now, I didn't pick this up with Matt. I'm going to wait and allow somebody else to talk, allow them to get their thoughts out there and ideas without interrupting them. So when he's done finishing his sentences, you know, he'll wait for me to ask the next one without just jumping in before I'm finished talking. So based on all that, you know, I, it, it was pretty easy to see that he's an ISTJ like myself. One of the things that I did in this interview, which you might have thought was a little weird, was to ask him about the personality style of the author partner that he has, that he wrote the book with. And why did I do this? Well, one of the things that I know for sure is that people will often try to hide their own personality or their own values when they're talking, but they're never shy about talking about other people and other people's personalities. So what I tried to do was to try to create a situation where I was con where he could compare and contrast his personality against the personality of another person. So when he was describing the other person, I was picking up the personality type of an ESFP. Now this is the warrior personality type. So what, as he was comparing that to his personality type, I could see the differences. And that's what I was trying to do. Now, this is actually a really good technique in sales when you're talking to a prospect, is can you get them talking about another person and comparing that person to themselves? Because this is gonna give you some insights as to their own personality type. And so going from there, how would I treat another ISTJ? Um, so again, as I talk about in this podcast, what we want to do is to feed him his values, values of time, of duty and service, work ethic and hierarchy, things like that, because those are the things that he believes bring success. And so if we can present that to him, that we also have those qualities, we're going to have this instant rapport together. And I did have this really good rapport with him uh, because, like I said, I picked up right away that he was an ISTJ. And so it was kind of like I knew from experience what his values were. Okay, so that's, that's this episode. Um, oh, and one of the things that I did in this episode or what I didn't do was ask Matt for his contact information. And this is totally my fault. Um, I was I was enjoying the conversation so much that I've kind of forgot to ask him. But if you would like to get a hold of Matt, um, he has a Facebook page. It's Full Scale KC for Kansas City, um, and then the web address for his Full Scale company is www.fullscale.io, and then his podcast which, you know, is over 400 episodes, and I am just so jealous and, you know, in awe of putting out 400 episodes because I'm just barely over 30 right now, and it's, it's just like a, a 
major task to get these out. Um, his podcast is Startup Hustle. And if you can't find it, the website for Startup Hustle is www.startuphustle.xyz. So until the next time, I hope you have a great week and go out there and sell a lot and learn personality.